Hi, and welcome to the Productized Podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, you can find the Productized Podcast from your favorite podcast player app, and you can subscribe from there. This is our show where we talk with productizers and innovators and cover the stories behind great product experiences and why it matters to innovators and makers like you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Productized Podcast, podcast for innovators, product creators, entrepreneurs come to discuss impactful ideas. So my name is Andre Marquet, and I'll be your host, and I'll be talking with Che Awa. Um, Jay is the VP of Platform Strategy at Active Campaign, and um, he works to make the customer a hero, helping them create ideal customer experiences through intuitive products, marketing, and integrations. Jay is also the author of Learn to Code HTML and CSS, and Jay loves solving problems, specifically providing simple solutions to what was previously arcane or impossible, solutions that, while intuitive, provide value to the customer and business alike. So, hey, Shay, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Um, really excited to, to have you here in, in Productized Podcasts. Um, can you give us a little bit on, on your context, your background, how do you came from technology and now doing customer experience? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, Andre, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here as well and uh, appreciate the opportunity to join you all. Um, sure. My background, it starts in design. Uh, that's kind of been a love of mine from the very beginning as a child and what I went to school for and studied. Um, mm -hmm. One where design was, um, it's a means to solve a problem, right? It's not about how do we just make something look good. Um, and throughout my career, that's led me to pay more attention to the customer and what their needs are. Uh, what their problems are. So uh, I went deeper into engineering, into product management, kind of all ends of how do we actually deliver a solution to them, right? And solve that problem. Um, largely, this has been at a number of different hyper growth product companies, um, the likes of which including Active Campaign. So uh, I started Active Campaign nearly four years ago, uh, leading the design team. Uh, but it was a, a team of five at the time, uh, five in design, roughly 100 in the organization. Um, where we didn't have someone leading engineering. Uh, so I ended up stepping in and leading both design and our platform engineering team. Uh, not one where I, I'm probably the uh, person that should be running the engineering org, but uh, one where I'd say I, I know enough to be uh, dangerous, right? Like I can understand uh, how the technology works, but more so I understand our vision. Uh, I'm able to hire great leaders and kind of help shape some of the processes there. Um, I led design and engineering for a little over half a year uh, mm -hmm. until we hired our CTO. And after that, I jumped into uh, design and marketing. So Jason, my boss, uh, said, hey, that was great. Like what you did with engineering, can you go do that with marketing? Mm -hmm. uh, and same thing, uh, just hired a great team, put in a strong vision and process. Uh, I did that for a little over two years uh, until hiring a CMO. Um, and throughout that, like it's allowed me to go deeper into, you know, the R&D side with design and engineering, but also the go-to-market side and the services end with design and marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd say overall, throughout that, I picked up a lot of what are the strategic partnerships we have, uh, what are the, a lot of integrations that are taking place inside our ecosystem. Uh, today, I, I still oversee the design ends, but I also have uh, all of our strategic and technology partnerships, uh, and that includes kind of the platform and the ecosystem that supports them. Um, and you know, ActiveCampaign as a whole, uh, we're the leader in customer experience automation. 
So that means we're focused on helping accelerate business growth with automated one-to-one experiences that connect across all different channels and throughout the entire customer lifecycle. So much of that is predicated on having integrations to support that, right? Which my team helps Mm -hmm. uh, lead and deliver. Um, And today we're we're doing that for well over 150,000 customers. Um, We have over 850 employees and four kind of global hubs uh, with a headquarters in Chicago. So uh, kind of a, a wild ride the last four years. Great. So what, why marketing? So you went from a CDO position to a marketing position. Um, why not a product or CPO position? What was the, the rationale behind that um, move? Yeah, I, you know, in hyper growth organizations, and that's kind of like my sweet spot. Uh, and I kind of told Jason before I joined, like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to chase the gray areas, right? Those areas where I see like the, the highest opportunity in the org. Um, and sometimes that's going to be in a lot of different scenarios that I might not have comfort or a lot of familiarity with, but if it means we actually can derive and deliver value back to our customers, that's kind of where I want to go. Um, and I'd say my, my career here has been kind of predicated on that idea of, uh, where is that need, where to kind of jump on it, uh, where to support the team and our customers. So, um, it not, uh, not, I'd say always logical and thought of, Hey, this is the, you know, my career track and where like I foresee myself. Um, I've always thought about preparing just to, to understand where does, uh, where does opportunity lie and how can I seize that? Right. So, uh, being more of a generalist in that approach to, to kind of slot into kind of any role across the org is kind of how I think about myself. Right. That's, that's, that's really, you know, not, not so common to, um, you know, to hear someone going from technology to marketing and, and it does take quite, um, quite a switch, um, to do that. So yeah. w- what do we need to know about, about you, uh, apart, whether you're a cat person, dog person, uh, <laughs> I've read something about that online. Um, yeah. who are, who are, who, who is, uh, Shay Ho, you know, behind or beneath the hoods and not just on a professional level. Yeah. I think, uh, kind of in my intro, you hit on it. Like I am, um, designer by trade. That's kind of like the love and where I started. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say more than that, I consider myself just a builder, right? A builder of teams, of products, of businesses. Um, you know, I, I don't get too tied to one aspect of it, be it engineering, product, or design, right? Uh, I think about how you create value through all of those. Um, I think that like makes me a bit unique, right? And, and how I approach problems, how I think about them, uh, and hopefully it coming in with a more holistic approach. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd say that's, um, that's where like uh, it ties back in active campaign and why I love the organization and that our culture embodies that, right? Like, uh, you know, in my, my opening, you say like, I love to make the customer a hero. Like that is, I'd say one of those values of active campaign of, you know, everyone's thinking about how do we make that customer a hero? Um, and we are a business that is obsessed with helping our customers deliver the ideal customer experience, right? Like, and to me, everything is, is designed, right? So uh, it might not be uh, an interface per se, but you can design that experience. And I'm always kind of tied back to, to what that is, right? And um, I don't know, that's, uh, you can get whole body yeses and a lot of excitement from me when we start to talk about what is, what is a great customer experience? How do we go to put that together? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. tell, tell, tell us a little bit about your current challenges at ActiveCampaign. What's your, what are you tackling right now? Uh, 
in, in my specific role as the org. Uh, I can oh, answer yeah, I guess yeah. has in your specific role, um, what, what's really the, you know, the list of big things that it's, it's taking your, yeah. your time and energy right now. Yeah, there's a few different things. Um, one of them is it's the team, right? How do we grow? Mm -hmm. How do we hire? Um, you know, I mentioned when I started design was five people. Uh, today, it's around the cusp of 30. Um, you know, when we were back five designers, it was roughly 100 employees. Today, we're, you know, well over 850. Um, mm -hmm. It's always thinking about what are the opportunities and how do we basically allocate people to those opportunities and how do we staff towards that? Um, but also how do we build the culture, right? Um, how do we grow that quickly uh, in a sense that folks still understand how to make decisions, um, right? Who to go to for certain things? What are the processes we have? Um, it's always about how do we kind of enable that team so they can go build the product, which then supports our customers. Um, that is where I, I probably spend a good amount of my time thinking about that. And then it is, it's the strategy, right? It's thinking mm -hmm. about, um, what are those problems our customers are trying to solve and where do we see technology changing in a landscape to where we can go create new products, new innovations, uh, and also delivering better customer experiences by leveraging that technology. Right. Um, and where does that kind of like meet the market? Um, I'd say those two things are, are kind of the constants of what I'm continually kind of, um, let's say struggling with, but also, uh, like moving forward and enjoying is that is part of the job. Right. So in, back in 2014, you, mm -hmm. you know, launched a book, um, Learn to Code HTML and CSS. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit what inspired you to write it um, and a little bit about the process, especially, you know, in, in a landscape of so many books on, on mm -hmm. coding and what, what was the dent that you tried to, to put on this universe, so to say? Yeah, it's a really good story. Um, so back then I was teaching at, uh, one of the boot camps, right? So there's a number mm -hmm. of different boot camps to go learn how like to Like code. a coding boot, boot camp? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was teaching, uh, design and front end development. Um, and I like going back to being a designer. Um, I always wrestled when I learned HTML and CSS, like they were taught separately, right? Mm -hmm. It was go learn HTML and then go learn CSS. And it was basically go learn structure, go learn presentation. Um, but I was like, I want to teach those together. I want to, when we talk about the structure of typography and how you use semantic headings and paragraphs and, um, mm -hmm. you know, list structure, I also want to talk about how to stylize those, right? I actually want to talk about like, what are the CSS properties and mechanics that allow you to bring those to life? Um, so I, I kind of anal on that. I was writing out all my lessons to teach these classes beforehand and I just post them online. Uh, so that students could have them outside the classroom that they would be just generally open to the community. Um, one of those students took it and posted it on Hacker News and it, uh, it kind of just took off. Um, I remember one day like riding the bus uh, to work and uh, like my server just kept falling over um, because it was getting so much traffic. Um, and I had to like spin up some dinos to keep it running. Um, And it was kind of fun. Like I, I just kept doing that with new courses. And that was the ultimate market validation, right? That you need <laughs> totally. to read the book. You need yeah. to actually write the book um, yeah. on, on content that is being retrieved on your server. So that, yeah. that's, that's it, right? You became to well, the conclusion that you had no. to write it? No, no, no. So it was interesting. Like uh, Pearson Education approached me and said, hey, like, 
essentially you've written a book. We would love to publish it. Um, <laughs> it's and, written uh, online. Yeah. Like to them, it's like the best, uh, that's the best case scenario, right? They're looking at this, like we could just print this and we're good. Um, but honestly, I was, I was more concerned about, um, I didn't want to take it away from the community. Like you have all of that traffic. Like I did not want to take it offline mm-hmm. uh, or put like a paywall over it. Um, that wasn't my intent when I started it. So I actually said no. Uh, and I was like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not interested in writing the book. Um, and kind of like to your point, like I'd also thought like, there's a lot of books on this topic already. Like, I don't know that I'm doing anything like really meaningfully different other than trying to teach these two languages at the same time. Um, so I kind of, I let it go. Uh, I then started to release more advanced courses uh, kind of the next year as we were teaching more classes. Uh, and that again took off. Like uh, I wish I actually had an active campaign at the time because the way I would launch those lessons and then tweet about them and then post them in certain community groups or forums, um, painful process, but one that could be totally automated. Um, but Pearson came back and said, hey, like, like this is incredible. Like we really, really wanna do this. What's this gonna take? Um, I was like, it would take me not having to take it offline. Like, um, I want to leave it up and, and publicly accessible and free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had enough people in that year ask, Hey, how do I get a print version of this? Is there right. a, an EPUB or the like? So I also had some market validation to say, yeah, maybe there's some you know more to this. Um, and I, I went out and hired a, like a contract attorney and worked with them on like, how do we actually get this, you know, distributed by Pearson, but leave it online for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, uh, you know, way it went from there. All right. So w- one of the questions that came to my mind is how how useful, you know, technology books are always, um, you know, in a way, um, well, I wouldn't say painful, but technology evolves so quickly, so fast that you're learning HTML4 by the time, you know, it's HTML5 or whatever it is. So um, nowadays, seven years pass, um, you have things like no code, low code and other um, skills have emerged that are very, very uh, hot topics. How do you think this is changing the landscape in terms of the actual need to learn HTML, CSS, and going, you know, deep yeah. into getting your hands dirty on on code or or at least HTML, CSS? Yeah, I, well, I'm biased, right? I wrote a book on it, so uh, like I'm like, hey, like you need to learn it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, like I don't know either, right? Uh, I would say some of my hesitation of like wanting to like publish it was also around that this book's for beginners. Like, I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of those. I don't know that this is um, Mm -hmm. the right way to do it. And uh, Pearson actually helped me out and said like the books for beginners have the longest uh, life shelf life shelf. Yeah. Because it's the, it's the bleeding edge that changes so much. The fundamentals don't change all that much. Right. So like if you wrote the beginner's book, it would actually stick. Um, And yeah, I mean, we're what seven years out now, and it still sells well, used in classrooms all across a number of universities. Um, and I think the testament there is, if you think about like the languages that are read by a browser, there's three, right? It's HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. So those become some of the fundamentals. Um, the no-code movement, I think, is incredible, though. I think mm-hmm. you honestly, you can build nearly anything you want mm-hmm. uh, without writing a line of code. Um, I think if you know code, it becomes a bit easier because some of those tools do blend into, all right, maybe we got to write a SQL query here or there. Um, I think as you scale, you get a little constrained. Uh, You might not be able to get the level of customization you want. You might not be able to get like the throughput or scale you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's in a professional sense, like you're you're probably still going to need to learn some level of fundamentals of programming or like different languages. 
Um, and I don't think that will change largely anytime soon, but I love the no code movement from a, a business validation sense of, I have an idea, I want to test it, mm-hmm. but I don't want to sink tens of thousands of dollars or, you know, months into trying to build this. Like, mm-hmm. could I structure this using Google sheets and Squarespace and Stripe? Like probably. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even active campaign, right. Like fits into that automation lens uh, of being able to put some no code plays in. So um, I do think it's like an incredible like validation and business tool there. Absolutely. So in your opinion, what, what really makes a phenomenal customer experience? Yeah, I think there's um, probably three things I'm looking at when I think about that and consider that in the lens of active campaign. Um, one is it's personal, right? It, it mm-hmm. truly hits home to you where any of the communications, any of those interactions, uh, they're about you and the context you have. Um, they're not bulk messages sent out to email campaigns of, of list of hundreds of thousands of people, right? Like it, it's more attuned to you and kind of your behaviors and interactions. Um, second to that, I'd say it meets you in the different channels where you want to be, right? If I'm on live chat on your website, but I got to run to the store, like switch that over to text or switch that to Facebook messenger or, you know, give me a call. Like, again, meet me in the channels where, where I need to be um, or want to have some level of communication. Um, and then it is end to end in that customer life cycle. Um, I, I like get fearful of experiences where, um, when I'm interested in buying something, it starts out, uh, where a lot of great connections and interactions, but, uh, after like post-purchase, I'm trying to find support and I can't get a hold of anyone anymore. Right. Like it was easy when I wanted to buy this. Now I can't find anyone. Um, I think thinking through that life cycle or anywhere from that acquisition to onboarding should carry its way through support and advocacy, uh, really turning those customers into low advocates at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So personalization, channel, Mm-hmm. or channelization or omni-channel and full full life full life cycle right absolutely right. Yeah. all right and is there any tactical uh recipe to achieve this ideal customer experience like any kind of strategy or tactics that you uh usually recommend people to follow yeah i think it requires a blend of automation and human touch right mm-hmm. one where um you can't drop people into automations all the time for everything that they'll begin to feel as if like there's some programmatic manner by which we're interacting and um, that can feel, not feel disingenuous at, at moments. Right. Um, I think the way to do it is you take that easy stuff, maybe the mundane and, and you can build automation around that. Right. Then I think uh, some of the tools of automation really allow you to get into deeper layers and levels of personalization. Um, but I think you also have to be available as a human, be it for more complex questions or to introduce, uh, you know, different layers of empathy into a situation, what have you. Um, I think you got to find that, like, what is that right balance of automation and human touch so that you can scale those customer experience, whether you have one or 1 million customers, right? Like you should be able to deliver that unique experience to them. Mm-hmm. And and has a company, and I guess lots of companies struggle to develop the ideal customer experience, whatever that ideal might be. Who who should be on on in charge? So you have tech team, marketing team, customer support team. Um, I know some companies has famously have famously become um, you know very um, voicing that it should be customer support. You know, uh, you know, um, Zappos come, comes to mind when yeah. you know, when you think about it. But 
Is is there a specific part of the company that should be more involved, or do you think this is really a hands-on deck that everyone should be taking care? Yeah, I love this question. We actually did our second half kickoff at Active Campaign last week, um, and I, I sat down in front of the entire organization and spoke literally directly about this. Right, like what is that end-to-end customer experience, and what is everyone's role in that? And uh, you know. I believe every single person plays a part and impacts that. Um, and, I, and one of the examples I shared was marketing could drive someone in through an organic search lead, right? Where that customer creates a trial. Mm-hmm. Well, marketing has an impact on that customer experience up front, right? Where yeah. they are actually driving the introduction of active campaign. Engineering product design, they're playing their part in introducing the trial to that individual, right? And um, you know, what is their experience as they get onboarded? Sales plays the part when they make that first outreach and first call to them, right? They become yeah. the first human interaction as exactly. part of that, right? Yeah. Um, there's a number of probably different folks involved in that sales cycle. And then it's our onboarding team and how they support them and get them set up and really nurture them through that first 90 days. Uh, then you walk into a customer service team, right? Or success team as those people engage in the platform, have questions, grow with us. Um, I went even deep into uh, like I had someone from our people team in HR join and share how, Hey, you know, their job is to make the well-being of everyone active campaign uh, one so that they can focus on their job and they don't have to think about some of the uh, miscellaneous or intangible items in life that, you know, they can put more of their concentration and focus back into how they impact that end to end customer experience while they're at work. Like um, we can all contribute to that. And I think it, um, it becomes everyone's responsibility to think about, how do I ultimately impact that end-to-end customer experience? Even if I don't talk to them, even if I don't have a direct touch mm-hmm. point to them, like I probably service them in some way. What is that way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, think, it like, does take a village, like as they say. Yeah. But it's also a huge challenge because you have so many stakeholders, internal stakeholders inside the company trying to accomplish this this yeah. ideal customer experience. So how do you make this? You know, if you're if you're a manager, how do you make this happen? Is it by evangelizing like you did um, in, inside the company, you know, really outreaching to every single department and and showing the importance of doing this? And how, how do you do that? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I, the answer will probably varies across different size organizations in your business and, you know, who are all the folks involved in that? Um, I think like what you see impact a customer experience largely like boils down into, do we have the time, the people, the money to put it together, right? Like those are the kind of the three resources like we're always competing for. Um, It is one where the other side of it becomes, do we actually have visibility into that customer experience, right? At scale, um, you know, we have, you know, 850 employees. It's, it's one of, do I actually know what that sales process is? Do I understand where, uh, you know, some of the marketing impacts this? Um, that gets really difficult. And I think the, you know, the average business today is using, you know, hundred plus tools to kind of operate throughout yeah. that customer experience. Like how do you actually have insight to all of that? Um, and that's crazy. Yeah. So it's, a, you have, you don't really have the time to do it. <clears throat> uh, you might have a mess of tools. Um, I think that's where you have to, you got to look for a platform to help actually like derive and deliver that a bit, right? How do you streamline and build the visibility around the customer experience? Um, how can you measure interactions across it and where the fall off is uh, or where you're seeing success? Um, how do you start to like layer those together, if you will? Um, 
and we've seen a number of our customers do that, right? Um, where they you know, start to onboard into active campaign and they're starting to think about like, okay, well, let me see that customer experience and where do certain things uh, you know, trigger engagement? Where do they not? And uh, like one customer specific would be party headphones uh, stands out. Like they were doing a lot of just kind of like, here's our core messaging, here's what it looks like. Um, and they started to switch that up, right? They started to think about like, well, what are the different channels by which we reach people? Uh, and rather than having some canned conversations with them, uh, where do we layer in different personalization and how we do that quickly so that we can increase engagement, right? Uh, and they've been able to drive up their revenue by you know, expanding down on their channels, but the personalization behind that, which has been incredible to see. Yeah. And, and there's lots of, lots of that is also being driven by um, big transformations in what we have seen in digital for the last 10 years. And and yeah. um, I don't know, are, are you bullish about any specific technology out there? Um, I don't know if VR is going to change the landscape for, um, you know, um, customer experience and people say yeah. it will uh, definitely blockchain have a number of other things going on as well. Are you excited about anything specific? Yeah. When I mean, uh, like when I was talking about like some of the challenges I, like I'm engaging with, like one of those is always thinking about that market of where is technology advancing that allows us to derive that better customer experience. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I think the, the AR VR is very interesting. Um, you know, you're able to do a lot of different things. Like um, I was shopping for a couch the other week and it was like, I can use my phone to see what that mm -hmm. couch looks like in this. You're using the Ikea app for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's others ones where it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get to the coffee shop, but I don't know where it's at. Right. I can use Google maps and like move my phone around to actually see, Hey, you need to walk in that direction or go this way. Mm -hmm. um, so I think like the AR VR side is like, yeah, it's fundamentally changing some of those customer experiences. Um, largely in some consumer ways from what I've seen so far, but I think there's more to do there. Um, I think like machine learning, artificial intelligence um, has created an impact, um, but a lot of times you like more largely reserved or seen in an in like enterprise space. Um, I think that's changing, right? I think um, we think a lot about that uh, in terms of how do we build different algorithms to ensure we're delivering the right message to the right person at the right time within that right channel. Um, and I think what's important there is for any business, right, be it small or Fortune 500, uh, to have that opportunity to say, you know, Shay's experience and Andre's experience can be fundamentally different, even though mm -hmm. they're still a customer of our business, right? Um, you're, you're in Lisbon, right? So uh, yeah. your time zone is completely different than mine, um, but you might be... Um, you might be more morning person or I'm more night person, right? So like when a message is sent should be different. Um, you might be more casual in tone and want more friendly messages where I might be more formal and want attachment, and additional details. Like I think the way that you can layer in that level of learning around who those customers are and their interactions, uh, you can derive a far more personal experience, right? And to be able to do that with tools like artificial intelligence can fundamentally kind of change uh, that end-to-end -end customer experience and mm -hmm. in significant and like very beneficial ways. And are, are you bullish that this is actually um, a democratic process, so to say, in the sense that it's not just for the Fortune 500, but also um, smaller companies uh, using platforms like yours can suddenly, mm -hmm. you know, leverage to, a, you know, to, to, to technology and to customer interaction that was only available to very, very big companies a few years ago, right? Yeah, very, very bullish on that. Um, I think that like 
is going to be a necessary like a, like tool or structure to be competitive in the market, right? <clears throat> um, other people are going to adapt to that and build some incredible customer experiences, and that like that builds loyalty. So uh, if you want to, I'd say stay competitive in that measure. Like it, yeah, it, I'm very bullish on the idea that like uh, the machine learning will help drive a lot of that. Right. It's not. I guess to a, to a fundamental point, it's not really how deep it's your pocket to invest in crazy technology, but also um, how meaningful are you in, in providing that experience to your client, right? And how yeah. intentional you are to, to build it. So yeah, that's, that's, that's really super insightful. Um, yeah, I think all those tools are becoming far more affordable too, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, when I talk to people about automation, like, um, I, I kind of hear like one of two things. One is like, that sounds really complicated. Like I don't like, I just don't have time for that. That is uh, mm-hmm. another layer that I don't want to get involved in. Um, or they believe like it's going to be too expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like that, that sounds great. And I think like we could, we could get in there and we could do it, but I'm sure there's a cost to it. That's just like well beyond what we'd be able to afford. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's changing, right? Like, you look at a platform like Active Campaign, like it is, we have designed it to be very approachable, uh, both from a user experience as well as uh, like that cost side. So um, <clears throat> I would say that is helping change some of those, those dynamics and where you're seeing some digital transformation. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jake, thank you so much for um, sharing this insights with us today. And can I just tell um, our audience if they want to get in touch with you, what's like the best way to do, or if they want to have like a trial of active campaign and yeah. who should actually do that, right? Is there any specific targets you have in mind, any um, kind of persona or company profile you would recommend yeah. giving it a try? Yeah, one of the benefits of Active Campaign is like we we've built a platform, one by which should work for any business in any vertical and any geography, right? So, um, yeah, you even have but, Portuguese, by the way. Totally. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so you know, if you are uh, you know B two C, B two B, doesn't matter. Like we we would welcome you to join. I would say um, our focus is on helping businesses grow, right, and deliver that ideal customer experience. Um, Trials are, are free. So you can go to activecampaign.com and sign up and give it a shot. Um, again, being very approachable, hopefully you can get set up and moved in and build that first automation, you know, in that first use. And, um, you know, the power of the platform really begins to speak for itself, right? I'd say your time to value, you should feel and see pretty quickly. Um, and the bar is, is low there. So yeah, I also encourage anyone to sign up for it. Right. I'm very curious to know, as an author, if you still get approached by people reading your book um, and having questions or, you know, comments, how is that going on on that side? Yeah, no, I definitely do. Uh, um, Yeah, it's uh, like I I do my best to take pride in getting back to all of those folks. Um, I think what's been good is, um, you know, like the book is still online, completely free, right? Um, and as people have questions, they have feedback, I just change it. Uh, right. Like I'll go in there and update it and evolve it. So I feel like I've, I've largely squeezed out most of like any area of confusion or bugs in it. Um, again, an advantage of technology where the yeah, seven, seven years of debugging, it's, it's quite yeah. a long time. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I do that. And then, um, have found some great partners just in terms of folks who, a lot of the questions I get are, how do I continue my education? Where do I go next? Uh, what does that look like? So uh, I found some great partners to refer people to and kind of help them along their way, depending on 
where they're located, what they're trying to learn, how they like to learn, right? Be it virtual, in person, et cetera. So, um, but yeah, definitely still engaged. Definitely. Thank you. And thanks for, for joining Productize Podcast. Um, if, if you enjoyed this day and if you really enjoy the podcast, just uh, give us your review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with friends and colleagues. This is also live on, on YouTube, so it's going to be available um, there. And we will have some show notes and more episodes at productize.medium.com. So you can join our community newsletter and we'll share the links on the chat as well. So thank you so much. Shay has been great uh, have, having you here with us and looking forward to make this happen again. Yeah, Andre, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.